This is Justin Lanero from the Disturbing the Peace podcast, and you are listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 97, Movies We've Never Seen. Chris McBride here, along with caveman Derek Myers himself. You're going to find him on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM. You'll find me on Twitter at C McBrien. Just remember, McBrien is I-E-N. And if you head over to popgoesyourworld.com, you'll find all of our contact information there. Caveman, Derek, how are you doing this week? What's new in the world of pop culture for you? Hey, Chris. I am doing great, thanks. Awesome. I, I need to tell you, yes. I've had a great pop culture week. How so? Please stop. So, this is the first week in a long time where I've had a little bit of time with nothing to do. So I have made a point of watching some movies that I've always wanted to watch, some of which have been on my PVR for a long time, others which have just recently come out. And because I had time, I made a point of seeing them. And this is timely because one of the movies on this list would have made my top five tonight if I hadn't watched it already this week. So real quick, I saw four different full-length movies this week. The first one was Tootsie. Oh, hey, I'm just going to get you to watch that for the podcast. I've never sometime. seen it. Never and I, seen and it I'm always before. talking about it. What do you think? I loved it. I thought it was great. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I was talking it, was it up a couple good. weeks ago. Oh, that's so glad. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I'm a fairly big fan of Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. And I had heard a lot about this movie and I had seen bits and pieces of it. I watched it start to finish. Again, it had been on the Turner Classic Movies. They had done like the 30 Days of Oscars leading up to the Oscar Awards. So I had a bunch of like classics on my PVR, and this was like one of the last ones I hadn't seen yet. And it was great. I loved it. I was so glad I watched it. And had I not watched it before this recording, this would have been on my top five list. So I made a point of making sure I watched it before this week so that I couldn't put it on the list. Because and, now I can say I've seen Tootsie. And as much as you liked Dustin Hoffman in, in, in that movie, but what about all the supporting characters like Terry Carr and Bill Murray? I mentioned him the other week. Jessica yes. Lange, Dabney Coleman, even um, Sidney Pollack, the director. There's so many good supporting characters. George Gaines. Yeah, it was really good. Um, I mean, there were a few sort of ideas that I don't think hold up so well by today's lens. But I think the time in which the movie came out, they were absolutely relevant even cutting edge even sort of ahead of their time the idea that um once he was seeing the world through the eyes of a woman he was able to stand up and say like hey this is wrong these things shouldn't be this way and i mean it's unfortunate now that we have to say it took a man to make this change but i think it was an important social commentary at the time and i i think the message itself that uh, the woman's voice needs to be heard and that the women's voice is every bit as important as a man's voice. Exceptionally important in the 80s when it came out in this movie, but just as relevant today. Very good. I'm glad you saw that. What else did you see? I saw um, two movies that both won Oscars this year. I saw the animated movie Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, how was that? It was quite good. And I mean, I'm a big comic book nerd, so... You know, I was going to see this movie either way. And it was quite good. It was very strong. If you're familiar with the comic books, the various Spider-Man comic books, there's a lot of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here's some Easter eggs for you. But if you don't know anything about any of the Spider-Man comic books or the various permutations of Spider-Man that have come out in the last 15 years, that's fine. The movie does an exceptionally good job of leveling the playing field for everybody and telling a good story and there's a very good post credit scene as with most Marvel movies that'll just make you laugh your butt off so Into the Spider-Verse exceptionally good the other Oscar movie I saw was called Free Solo it won the best documentary film oh that looks great it was premiered on the National Geographic channel this week it was uh, – it's, it's a rock climbing one, right? Isn't it? Yes. It's yeah. about uh, Alex uh, Honold, I think is how you pronounce his name. He is a uh, free climber. So he's a mountain climber who takes pride in climbing without a rope or any yep. safety gear. So 
He obviously does some climbing with safety ropes and safety gear to sort of map out his path. Like basically he does a test run with the rope to understand where the most tricky parts of the climb are going to be and test out various ways to do them so that when he does them without the rope, he's less likely to fall and sustain injury. And it's a two-hour documentary. Well, I mean, with commercials, it was a two-hour documentary on the the National Geographic channel. It was fantastic. I mean, in my opinion, a documentary done right is going to be an A+. This one, absolutely, A++++, was super good. Every Absolutely deserving of its Best Picture Oscar. Free solo. If you can find a copy of it, if it's on the National Geographic channel again, I strongly recommend you see it. It was so good. Very nice. Very good. Uh, for my pop culture this week, uh, I'm going back. Other than, I mean, you did Tootsie. That was an older one. Other than that, you did newer stuff. Mine is way going way back. As you know, I've got two young boys, and I mention them on the podcast all the time. And one of the things that I do with them is I try to inject older pop culture stuff into their lives and I make them watch all this stuff. And one of the things I've been making them watch lately is Sesame Street. And so Sesame Street was a big part of my childhood. I loved wait, Sesame wait, Street. Wait, 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 wait. Yep. Is Sesame Street not still on the air doing new episodes right now? I believe it is. But what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the old stuff, like from the 70s. I made them watch like episodes from the 70s because I have watched some of the newer ones and I'm like, it's just not the same. There's like different characters and stuff. It's not the same. And okay. they're and they're like, what do you mean? It's the same. It's just, I guess their reaction is like yours. It's like, it's still on the air. It's the same thing. No, it's not. And so I went back and I made them watch a bunch of stuff from the 70s. It's all on YouTube. You can find it all. And they agree with me. They're like, oh, my God, Dad, this stuff is so good. So there's things. Did you watch it as a child? Absolutely. I think we all did, you know, and some of the stuff has just been an unbelievable flood of nostalgia for me. And there's so much stuff that I had forgotten all about. And some of it was like the the Sesame Street news flashes with Kermit the Frog where he goes on site and it's usually like nursery rhymes and stuff and like like Humpty Dumpty and then he'll go to like the one that I loved was Pinocchio and then like this Pinocchio I can't even explain it it's just so funny and we're we're all laughing watching this and we just love it and then there was this little kid John John who used to count and he was just so funny and he count with Grover and I, I remember that and then there's this thing called the song of whatever number and it goes up to 10 and oh, then, yes. yeah those i know and and they, they do like one and then they would do like one bird one cow and then at the end it would be a baker with like one wedding cake and he yes, would fall down yes. the stairs and and yes. like kids just love it and then the last one was remember the pinball one two three yes. four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve, 11, 12. yeah for sure oh so, for sure it's anyway, all of this stuff from the 70s, they absolutely love it. And then we put on on regular TV the other day and Sesame Street was on and they're like, Daddy, it's not the same. I'm like, I told you. So I'm, I'm injecting <laughs> the Gen X into their lives and I just love it. So that's what I've nice, been doing. Nice. The uh, the one other thing I want to mention, Chris, is sure. last night uh, my wife and I went and saw the uh, the movie, the new Marvel comic books movie, Captain Marvel, on its premiere on the night of premiere last night. We went and saw it. And you know me. Huge comic book nerd. I've seen every Marvel movie. I've seen every DC movie. I've read all the comics. We saw Captain Marvel. It was just okay. Oh, not good, eh? Uh, well, it was good, but I, I wasn't the target audience. Like, this is a movie. This is absolutely 100%. This is a girl power movie. This is a movie for the female audience to um, show them a female superhero doing everything that the male superheroes do and then some. Very much like the Wonder Woman movie. I mean, I still enjoyed it, but for me personally, it wasn't an A plus plus movie. I would give it like a B plus. It, it, in my opinion, it had it was good, but it wasn't exceptional. But my wife thought it was great. She gave it an A plus plus. So I think this is one of those examples where. The boys are going to see something different in the movie than the girls see something, and the girls who watch it are going to love it, and every and they have every reason to to love it. Um, so again, for me, it was good, but not great. But I think if you are a female listener, or if you've got uh, young girls you want to take to see it, you got you your children are, are are girls, definitely bring them to see it. I mean, it's a Marvel movie. It's got a certain level of quality that you've come to expect, and it absolutely meets that benchmark. But I, you know, for me. Not quite there. This is the one with Brie Larson in the tights, right? Uh, sure, we'll, we'll say uh, Brie Larson in the tights. Sure, we'll yeah, go with that. I, I, could, I could probably sit through that. Oh, my, my, my. 
Yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, are you yeah. ready to get started for this week's topic? Yes, I am. Let's go. I mean, we love him, we hate him, we agree, we disagree. Freddie Mercury is the greatest singer who, who ever was. He is the greatest singer that ever will be. Some of the things in Freddie Mercury's real life were uh, possibly X-rated. <laughs> there is no way Rocky was a better movie than Taxi Driver. I love this idea. Probably the greatest film that's ever made. And I just picked it on a whim. And we could have a couple beers and we could play Escape from the Death Star. Walking in a winter wonderland. I try to pick something Christmas. This is a Fargan trick question! Okay, so this kind of the topic for this week kind of had a little bit of an origin. I'll just explain it quickly. Uh, the other week, uh, my wife and I it was like a Saturday night where we put the kids to bed. And we're like, oh, we're going to watch a movie tonight. What are we going to watch? And I put on Netflix. We're flipping around and it comes up and I see Schindler's List. And I said to my wife, I said, oh, you know what? I've never seen Schindler's List. And she's like, what? You are like the biggest film buff of all time that I've ever met. How could you have never seen Schindler's List? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I've never seen it. Anytime that I've wanted to, to see it like it's it's like three and a half hours long and so i just don't have the time or whatever i just i just i for whatever reason i've just never seen it it's, it's also about a topic that's uh that's, that's very difficult you know so it's like i don't know it's not not, not a lot of fun to watch so I, I don't know for whatever reason never watched it so i did watch it and i'm glad that i watched it i thought it was great um but then it, it got me thinking and it, and it made me realize that even as a massive film buff there's a lot of like quote unquote you know great movies or, you know, movies that we should see, then I realized there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. And even being the buff that I am, and I think that it goes true for a lot of people. I did a little bit of a an informal poll on Twitter this week, and I found out, like, there's people out there that hadn't seen Jaws, you know, and stuff like that. I'm like, wow, this is or, amazing. Or Harry Potter movies. Or Harry I saw Potter. People are like, I've never seen any of the Harry Potter. I've never seen any of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, Star Wars, Titanic, all like the... the and so I realized, like, like, I think that, you know, there's movies that we, quote unquote, should everyone should have seen i guess you know for lack of a better term and but there's a lot of movies that we haven't seen that we're supposed to see so um i thought that we would put together a top five list this week we'll go back and forth with our list of what these movies are and i think there maybe there's some surprises i'm really looking forward to getting into this we do not share our lists ahead of time when we do this so it should be a lot of fun but why don't you start us off starting at number five we're going to work our way up to, to number one what's your number five movie that you have never seen that might surprise us cape okay take us away Okay, so I, I, I got to say, preparing for this episode yeah. was definitely one of the hardest top five lists I've ever had to do since we started doing this exercise. Well, why is that? So partly because it's embarrassing. Like you said, <laughs> we're movie guys. Like we we hold ourselves up to the to the social media and say, we have seen more movies than you. We have a, we have an opinion about stuff that we feel we are experts more than the next guy. Like we, we really think a lot of ourselves and of our, our uh, credibility as movie, as film aficionados. And to admit that we haven't seen some of these movies. It's embarrassing. Is exceptionally embarrassing. And it's not to say that if you want, if, no, sorry, if you want embarrassing, you got to go back and listen to the episode that I did with Yancey on our um, guilty, uh, pleasures. guilty pleasures. God, some oh. of that was, I was just embarrassed myself, but <laughs> oh, man, oh man. Yeah. So it was, it was a combination of, I'm embarrassed to admit I haven't seen these movies. And that's not to say that I'm never going to see these movies. It's just, I've never made a point of making the time to see these, except for like, in this case, Tootsie. I made the time this week to see it, so I didn't have to put it on the list. But it's also an example of you don't know what you don't know. And I found it was hard to come up with a list of movies I hadn't seen because I kept thinking, well, I've seen that. I've seen that. And I asked people I know. I'm like, look, you've known me for a long time. Can you remember me ever saying I've never seen that movie? Or if they brought up a movie and they made a reference and I'm like, I don't get the reference because I've never seen the movie. And – as my friends were throwing movie titles at me, I kept saying, no, I've seen that. No, I've seen that. I've seen that. Seen it. Even my wife sent me a list of like 20 movies. She's like, here are 20 movies I don't think you've seen. I had seen 19 out of the 20. <laughs> and the 20th movie on the list, I had seen bits and pieces of. So I'm like, although I haven't seen it, I know enough about it that I could probably BS my way through a discussion on it. And she's like, wow, I can't think of movies you haven't seen. So... Yeah, this was a really tough discussion. Now, Chris, the other thing was, I said to you when we came up with this idea, 
it would be easy for us to come up with five movies that are considered quote unquote classics, textbook classics that would be taught in any film 101 school. And that's a boring podcast to listen to. Here are movies from the 50s, 60s, 40s, 50s and 60s that you've never seen. Nobody's seen those movies. So that's a that's not interesting podcasting. So I I said to you, let's put a few newer movies on this list that people no matter what demographic they fall into, whether they're gener- Generation X or Millennials, are going to be like, "How could you have never seen that movie before?" Yeah, yeah, you you did, you did, you challenged yes. me. You were like, you you got to put some movies on your list from like the '90s and the 2000s, and I, and yeah. I did so. And so have I. Now, in all fairness, I have a couple of like huge classics on this list that I've never seen that people are going to like laugh at me for not having seen. But I have some newer ones on here too. So. Number five on my list. Yes. I have never, ever seen this movie, The Sound of Music. <laughs> 1965, Sound of Music, never seen it. Now, in all fairness, it's a musical. Yeah. I am not a big fan of musicals. I've also been told it is about World War II and the Nazis. Uh, again, I, I've never seen the movie, so I can't say for certain if that's the case, but that doesn't necessarily pique my interest. As a movie about the war and a movie that's a musical, that's two big strikes. I This is one of those ones where I don't think I'm ever going to see this movie. There's nothing that I know about this movie that makes me want to see it. Have you seen The Sound of Music, Chris? I have not, and I have no desire to see it either. My When I was growing up, my mom and my sisters would watch it all the time. I would just leave the room. And this is back when it wasn't like I could go in the other room and put on Netflix. Like we had one TV, you know, and I was just like, I don't care. I'd rather go in the other room and like look at the wall. I would n- I've never watched that movie. I have no desire to watch that movie. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things when we were putting the list together. There were certain movies that I realized, certain genres that I realized kept coming up. So I am not a big fan of horror movies. So there were a lot of horror movies I had never seen. But I'm like, you know what? That's not a genre I'm interested in. And if we want to do a topic about give me five horror movies you've never seen, fine. I'll do that. Musicals were another one. I'm not a big fan of musicals. I'm sure I could come up with a dozen musicals I've never seen. I have no desire to ever see them. So I figured The Sound of Music was my one and done. I'll admit I've never seen The Sound of Music. And there's a very good chance I will never see The Sound of Music. I'm done. That's my number five. Yeah, you couldn't drag me to watch that movie with a roll of duct tape and an ether rag and a wheelbarrow. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to see that. (laughs) I don't want to see that movie. I'm not going to ever see that movie. Okay, so that's a good one. And uh, and I'm with you on that. I've never seen it, nor will I ever. So for my number five, I I used a bit of a catch-all for this one. And I'm going to go with some animated movies. So even though I have kids, there's some really popular animated movies that I have never seen. And these ones might surprise you, but I've never seen Shrek. And people are like, I can't believe you haven't seen that movie. It's like, I've I've never seen it. From 1992, I have never seen Aladdin. Wow. And and Beauty and the Beast, never seen it. Frozen, never seen it. And and this is the one that I think might surprise you the most. I've never seen Toy Story. The first one? Yeah. Okay, Chris, let's pause the recording. (laughs) Go watch Toy Story. But you've seen Toy Story 2 and 3. No, I've seen Toy Story 3. I watched Toy Story 3 and I was like, oh my God, it's so good. And Toy Story, the first one, I have seen bits of it. Like I've seen a little bit here and a little bit there because my kids watch it and I caught bits of it and I just, I don't know, it just wasn't grabbing me. And so, I mean, I've literally seen, if the movie's an hour and a half, I've probably seen about four minutes of it tops. Wow. I would say I've seen Toy Story in its entirety, I think 50 times is probably if you were betting the over and under 50 would probably be the under. I have seen this movie so many times when I was at university. I had a laser disc player. We're talking late nineties, laser disc, 12 inch. They're basically look like CDs. They're 12 inches there. You got to flip them over halfway through. I had about six laser discs. Toy story. One was one of the first laser discs I ever bought for my player. And when you only have two or three laser discs, you tend to watch them over and over and over and over and over again. Toy Story was one of them. I must have watched it 50 times. I There's nothing about this movie that I dislike. I would watch it. I come home from university. I'd be like, I got 90 minutes to kill. What am I going to do? I'm going to throw on Toy Story while I tidy up the house. And it is so good on so many levels. We did a whole podcast on animated movies. And Toy Story was, I think Toy Story was my number one. It was so good. Chris, you have to do yourself a favor and watch Toy Story. Sit down. Give it your uh, undivided attention. 
watch it start to finish. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised about how good it really is and how much it holds up, given that it's over 20 years old now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's great, but I've just never seen it. But I'll tell you what, I'll watch it if you watch The Sound of Music. <laughs> okay. I, don't know, I don't know if I can make that deal. Yeah, well, okay. So what do you got for your number four movie okay. that you've never seen that's going to surprise okay. us? Number four movie I've never seen. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. 1966, Sergio Leone starring Clint Eastwood. Never seen The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Lee Van Cliff is in it too, right? Is it? I, I couldn't. Tell you that. don't know. You haven't seen, seen it. it. I haven't seen, seen it either, so I don't so, know. Really? You know, I've never seen it. Okay. Oh. So I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of westerns, but I've seen my fair share. And Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven is one of my all-time favorite movies. Probably makes my all-time top twenty, top twenty-five movies of all time. And that's another one that I've probably seen twenty times or more. I actually did. I had to study it in one of my university classes. We we watched the movie as part of one of our our um, our our sections in the class. We had to write a paper on it at the final exam. We had done like a dozen movies, and you could pick the ones you wanted to do your essay on. And Unforgiven was one of the ones I picked my topic on. I know this movie backwards and forwards. There was a remake of Unforgiven done starring Ken Watanabe who has been in a number of uh, American films, and it was like a Japanese sort of samurai-style movie. It was the entire script of Unforgiven done in Japanese and like feudal Japan, and it worked so well. The movie is so good on so many levels. And so for me to say and admit, embarrassingly so, I've never seen The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Like that was that was one of the first – spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood like that you have the whole series of the man with own, with no name from what I've heard from everybody they're like that is the where it starts and Unforgiven is where it ends well I've seen Unforgiven more times than I care to care to admit I've never seen where it starts I've never seen the good bad and the ugly and everyone keeps telling me you have to make time to watch it and I remember when it was on video cassette it was two videos so it's obviously a very long movie but I've never seen it Okay, so this one didn't make my list, but you're going to kill me. I've never seen the. I've never seen Unforgiven. Really? Yep, never seen it. Wow. Now, <laughs> knowing the kind of movies you do and don't like, mm-hmm. you may find Unforgiven a little slow at the. It is very. The pacing is quite slow, but it's one of these movies where it has this huge payoff. The last half an hour, you're like, okay, I see. It was building to this, and it's this very slow burn. But you have Clint Eastwood, and you have Morgan Freeman. And you have Gene Hackman and you have this essentially like this showdown at the end where everything comes to a head and the movie just has a resolution where you're like, yeah, that's how this movie needs to end. If you've got some time, you should Toy Story first, right? Unforgiven second. But my number four on my list, movies I've never seen, the good, the bad and the ugly. That's good. Yeah, I'm, how, am I, how am I supposed to watch Unforgiven when I just keep watching Stripes and Meatballs for the. 10 million times. <laughs> okay, so I, I mentioned before I'm a massive movie buff, you know, uh, huge film buff, and I like all these classics. If you look online, I think you could find, if you looked up like critics lists, and I know you said you didn't want to go to textbook. I'm going to go with one textbook one on here, okay? If you looked up critics lists of all-time greatest films ever, I think it's going to be universal that it's number one will be Citizen Kane, and number two will probably be Casablanca. And then it kind of goes from there. Um, I've seen Citizen Kane. I love it. I think it's phenomenal. I've never seen Casablanca. Really? Yep. Never seen it. (laughs) I know it's surprising because I'm like this film buff and it's like one of the greatest films ever made. I've never seen it. Wow. Never seen it. another one. Yep. I have never, I, I had not seen it until I went to university. I started taking communications courses. I started taking like film appreciation and all these other things. Casablanca was one of those ones I had to watch at school for credit and once i watched it once i was like this movie's great wait they're giving me credit to watch this movie and write an essay about it and i immediately went out and bought the dvd i've seen it probably 10 times and it is it is every bit as good as the critics say like chris this is one of those ones that i again and i think we're going to be constantly saying this there's a reason people say this is one of the best movies. Yep. It is absolutely one of the best movies. It is great. It holds up. Well, I haven't seen it in a number of years, so I can't necessarily say it holds up. But for what it is, I, I would say if it held up from 1942 to like 1992, it's probably held up until now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the 
one of the things I find with those like really old movies, the style of acting doesn't hold up. Mm-hmm. Like the way actors acted in the 40s and 50s is different than the way actors act now. So that in itself doesn't hold up. Yeah, they but all came the, from the theater, right? So yeah. all of them came from the theater. Yeah, but the story, the script, the 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 way it, like again, I don't want to say too much cuz I don't want to give it away, but the movie is quite good and there's a reason that it makes the top lists and I think you need to you're doing yourself a disservice by not watching it. I know. So, I I, yeah. I know it's great. I mean, I know it's I know lots about it. I know it's, you know, film noir. It's just, you know, it's an incredible use of the medium and it's got everything in it and I've just never seen it. It's just the way it is. I don't know. Now, I will I will tell you. Often the line play it again, Sam mm-hmm. is credited to that movie. That is Don't not, actually say it though, right? That is not the actual quote. The quote, if I remember correctly, is you played it for her, play it for me. Play it for me, Sam, I think is the quote. Not play it again, Sam. Mm-hmm. So, again, just one of those little details that often gets, you know, uh, a change in the course of time as people's memory starts to cloud a bit. Um, but yeah, that that is one that you should be very embarrassed to admit you've never seen, Chris. I am, and that's why it made my list. Okay, (laughs) so what do you got for your number three? Okay, number three, something much newer. We did a whole show on animated movies. Yes. And I sang the virtues of the Pixar Animation Studio and how great they are. And we just talked about Toy Story. Toy Story being their crown jewel, the first one out of the gate, which you could argue they have never met that milestone since then because it was so revolutionary and so good for what it was. And every time Pixar puts out a movie, I'm at the theater the opening weekend because Pixar does no wrong. I have seen every Pixar movie that has ever been made. Wait, I have not seen every Pixar movie that's ever been made. I have not seen the Pixar movie Cars, nor Mm. have I seen Cars Part 2 or Cars Part 3. They made three Cars movies. I have not seen any of them. And as someone who likes to talk about how I'm up, I'm hip. I watched what the kids watch. I have never seen the Pixar animated movie Cars or any of its sequels. And I think I have to hang my head in shame just a little bit to say, as someone who thinks Pixar can do no wrong, I don't know what it is, but I have not yet watched, nor do I have any desire to watch Cars. Uh, but have you seen Planes? That's one of the Cars movies, isn't it? No, well, I don't know. It's kind of like a spinoff or something, I guess. Nope. Never seen it. I knew it was part of the quote-unquote Cars world. And from what I've heard, in the Cars movie, there's a lot of like wink-wink, nudge-nudge where they make reference to other Disney movies, other Pixar movies. There's a lot of uh, stuff that's in there for adults and stuff that's in there for film aficionados like you and I. I've never seen Cars. And well, for some strange reason, I have no desire to yeah. ever see cars. I have two young kids and I've never seen it either. And I know what happens in it because they, my one kid has a, a picture book of cars and I used to read it to him all the time. So I know what happens in the story, but I've never seen the movie. I've never seen any, all three of them. And, and to, to make things worse, I have not seen cars one, two or three, but I went to the movie theater to see number three. So how does that happen? How do, how do I go to the movie theater, but not watch it? I fell asleep. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So there I am with my kids, and there's the old man sleeping. I fell asleep in the movie theater watching it. It was so bad. Well, <laughs> for me, the number three pick, it was a debate. It was either Cars or Frozen. But I figure as someone without kids, it's not really expected that I would have ever seen Frozen. We've right. already established I don't really like musicals. And as someone with no kids – it's a newer Disney movie. Now, I've heard from people who have kids that it's actually a pretty good Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And the songs, uh, you know, as catchy as they are and as much as they're like earworm, they're going to ingrain themselves in your brain. Uh, you know, it's like, eh, you know what? I don't think people would really care that much that I haven't seen Frozen. But I think Cars, as someone who's like been on and on about how great Pixar is, that's the one that's a little more embarrassing for me. So my number three was Cars. Yeah, no, that's a good one. And, and not to, to, you know, cut down, you know, movies or bisect them along gender lines. But I mean, if you don't have a, you say you don't have kids, but even if you don't have a little girl, you know, yeah. see Frozen. If I got two boys, they, they just never wanted to see it. 
So yeah. no desire to go see that movie. So I never saw it either. Uh, okay. So we're on number three. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I'm going to mention it again. Um, and Yancey used to always get on my case because he's a millennial, but he'd seen this and I never have. I have never seen this movie nor any of its sequels. And that's 1979's Alien. Wow. Really? You've yeah. never seen the first or the second Alien? No, nope, never seen any of them. I saw parts of Alien. I remember when it was on the movie channel when I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11. It had come on the movie channel um, in like 80, 81, something like that. And so I'd seen like parts of it here and there, but I've never watched the whole movie. The only the only scene I think I remember watching was when the 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 the. The, the things on John Hurt's face and they cut it and, and and the blood goes through the floor and it's like acid and it goes through all these multiple floors. And then that's the only scene I, I'd, I'd, I'd ever seen. And then about two years ago, I flip it around TV and Alien is on TV. And I'm like, oh, I've never seen Alien. And it's the scene where the, the blood goes through the seven floors again. <laughs> I'm like, what are the chances of this? So no, I've never seen the movie. Hard to believe. Wow. You've I seen it, I guess, right? Love it, love it, love it. This is one of those rare examples where you could argue the sequel is better than the first one. Yeah, I've heard that. Wasn't it James Cameron that did the sequel, Aliens? It sure was. I mean, Ridley Scott did the first one, and it was groundbreaking. It was so good. And then James Cameron came around and went... I'm going to I'm going to one up Ridley Scott. And I mean, you got to have some balls on you to be able to say I'm going to one up Ridley Scott. But he totally did. Uh, And not in a bad way, but he basically Mm -hmm. went, I'm going to take this intellectual property that someone's come up with, which, you know, is great in its own right. And I'm going to improve on it. I don't even think it's uh, sorry. I don't even think it's James Cameron's best uh, sequel that he's ever done. No, like T2 is arguing. No, no. I was thinking more of Piranha 2, the spawning. (laughs) <laughs> was that Cameron? <laughs> yeah, James. it was James Cameron's first movie. Um, so Piranha was a movie from 1978, and I just loved it with Bradford Dillman and Heather Menzies. And then there was a sequel, and James Cameron did that. But in this one, the piranhas actually have wings, and they fly through the air and chomp people. Oh, well, everyone's got to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, you know, but... But no, that's yeah. So I've never, never seen Alien, never seen it. But I, I've heard the same thing, just like what you're saying. I've heard Alien Two is phenomenal, and then didn't they have like Alien Revolution or something? And then Alien versus Predator, and that was just kind of like a B movie kind of crap thing. But I've no, never, never seen Alien. I know, I know, I know. I need to see wow. it. I just, I gotta watch this thing. I mean, I, I it's like science fiction and horror kind of mixed, right? Is the idea? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it definitely. The first one definitely treads that line between horror and sci-fi i mean it's sci-fi because it's set on a spaceship in outer space and then in the the future but it's horror in the sense of you know there's this this suspense of there's a creature on the ship and you don't know where it is and you don't know what its intentions are and you don't know who's been sort of co-opted by this alien or whether it's going to jump out at you or whatever oh it's so good on so many levels is it the first one or the second one that's got that iconic image of sigourney weaver where she's turned toward the camera and she's sweating and the thing's got like a mouth and it's coming out of the mouth and the mouth is coming out toward her is that from the first one uh that you know that you know the scene i mean like in a couple of them yeah I, th- I want to say it's the third one, Alien 3, directed by David Fincher. There was definitely a scene where, the, like, the alien is right, literally right in her face. And she turns away at the last second and the little mouth comes out. And then it, like, just sort of raw, like, it's like, rah, but it doesn't bite her or attack her. And you're Maybe like, it's that, then, yeah. what is going on here? Uh, again, don't want to give too much away. But the third one had its problems, but David Fincher, I mean, the guy made Seven. The guy made Fight Club. He knows how to make a movie. And... After following Ridley Scott and James Cameron, that's those are two exceptionally difficult acts to follow. But Alien Three has its moments as well. So, anyway, there you go. We'll, okay. we'll definitely revisit this in a future podcast because if you haven't seen these movies, I am going to absolutely not. Yeah, you should for you. Yep. You should. You should. I think that's a, that's a good point. It's it's a learning opportunity for us here tonight. You know, so it's all good. Uh, so, what are we on our number two? What do you got for number your number two? two? All right. I've got two two left. One is a very more recent – well, not very, but it's a more recent movie. And the other one is a classic. So I'm going to go with the new movie for number two. I've never seen Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Sorry, oh, me Jim neither. <laughs> Jeez. So 1994, Jim Carrey, hot as a pistol, coming off of In Living Color. He is the it guy. He does – 
Ace Ventura. And everyone's like, oh my god, this guy's a comedic genius. And then he does The Mask, he does Ace Ventura 2, he does Liar Liar, and you're like, oh my god, this guy is the it guy. Look at all these fantastic movies he's doing. He is, how did we never know who this guy was before? And he's Canadian. Great. Bonus. Awesome. Um, I've seen all those other movies. Well, I haven't seen Ace Ventura 2, but I've seen The Mask. I've seen Liar Liar. Uh, you know, I've seen him in his more serious turns in like Man on the Moon, the Andy Kaufman movie. Um, and I like I like his, uh, I like uh, uh, Jim Carrey in some. And he's in a new HBO. Uh, I think it's HBO series called um, Kidding, which is quite good. Uh, if you're looking for something to binge, the first season is done. The second season is coming out soon. It's great as well. But back in 1994, Ace Ventura, that's what put him on the map. He went from being a star to being a superstar. This is what gave him the cred to earn a huge paycheck. And people who are big fans of his work swear by this. They say Ace Ventura is his best movie he's ever done. I wouldn't say I'm a mega fan of Jim Carrey. I'm a, I'm a fan. I can appreciate his work. But I find I'm a little more hit and miss. And this is one that I'm just like never really had any strong desire to see. I've seen the trailers. I know sort of what the movie's about. And there's really nothing that's motivated me to say, this is the day. I have 90 minutes. I'm going to watch this Ace Ventura 1 and find out what everyone's talking about. No, never seen it. No real desire to see it. I, I kind of agree with you on um, on Jim Carrey. I was never a huge fan of his. Um, he did Ace Ventura. I never went to see it. I thought it looked stupid. I thought it looked kind of dumb. And then... Um, what was you mentioned the mask? I actually liked the mask. Liar, I thought liar. it. I thought the mask was good. And to me, Liar Liar was his best movie because, to me, that movie is the perfect vehicle for his talent, but still keeping him grounded. Whereas in Ace Ventura, he's just it's just craziness. Like it's just out of control. At least Liar Liar, because the fact that he's a lawyer and he's wearing a suit, like it keeps him somewhat grounded in reality. But it is the perfect vehicle to allow him to be that rubber faced person that he is and just to kind of go go crazy and improvise in the moment and so i like liar liar i thought it was outstanding i think it's a i think it's a little underrated actually i think it's one of the better comedies of the last 25 years but um ace ventura took no desire to see it never gonna see it the mask was a little movie it kind of went underappreciated it kind of just kind of came and went but uh, i saw that and i was like oh that's actually pretty good he was actually pretty good in that movie. Um, and, and, and with The Mask, Cameron Diaz, it was one of her first... It was her first movie. Big, big yeah. movie uh, breakouts. I mean, she wasn't, quote-unquote, the star of the movie, but she had a pretty significant role. Again, I'm not a big fan of Cameron Diaz. Uh, I mean, something about Mary, not a movie I really cared for, although yep. I'm not a big fan of Ben Stiller either, so that one sort of had two strikes going into it for me. Um, but, yeah, the mask, I, the mask I liked, Liar Liar, I loved... Man on the Moon, I loved. Ace Ventura, never had any desire to go back and see it. Despite what a lot of my friends keep telling me. They're like, dude, you have to see this. You may not like Jim Carrey, but you're going to laugh your butt off. We know the kind of humor you like. This is a movie for you. And it's just never – there's never been anything that has appealed to me to the point where I felt that I needed to watch it. Yeah. The, the one thing about the mask that I did like was there's a scene in it where he he puts on the mask and he's that crazy character. And when he dances with Cameron Diaz, when they do that kind of like ballroom dance, but like on steroids, it, it, if, if you if anybody hasn't seen it, watch the mask just for that scene. Or I mean, maybe you could maybe find it on YouTube. I don't know if you can find the dance scene, but the dance scene where him and Cameron Diaz dance. Oh my goodness. It is something else to watch. Like it's something else. But I'm with you. Yeah. Never seen Ace Ventura. No desire. Never will watch it. OK, my number two. This one's going to surprise you a little bit. And I, I'm worried. I'm getting worried on these last two that you might come through the microphone and strangle me. So let's just see how this goes. Okay. You're going to pick my number one. Yeah. So just just let me finish this one a little bit before you jump through the microphone and kill me. Okay. Lord of the Rings. So I went to see Lord of the Rings, the, the first one, The Fellowship of the Ring. I went to see that in the movie theater. I think it came out in 2000. And I went to see it in the movie theater. So I saw that. I have not seen the next two. So The Two Towers and The Return of the King, I haven't seen either one of those movies. Sorry, I'm just biting my tongue. I know. (laughs) I know you're going to kill me, and I'm sorry. So the first one was good. I liked it, and I've read the books. I read the books as a teenager. I loved them. I've I've started, I read all of the the Fellowship of the Ring to my, my oldest son. We started reading The Two Towers. The thing I think 
that I remembered is this. We started reading The Two Towers and we've put it down. We haven't gone back to it for a while because I forgot how much of an uphill climb that that book is. And for anybody that hasn't read them, you've read them, right? Yes, I have. And do you agree with me? The Two Towers is just this massive uphill climb to read. I, that's what I find. And so anyway, so then a couple of years after, uh, I think it was maybe a year or two after it came out, The Two Towers, I actually rented it on DVD. And I went home and I put it on and I started watching it and I actually turned it off after like maybe 20 minutes tops. I turned it off. I'm like, you know what? I just can't watch this. <laughs> I'm just not into this. And I never have even attempted to watch the third one. So although I did watch the first movie, I've never watched it again. I only watched it the one time when I was in the theater. Uh, I haven't watched it again. And I have not seen the next two Lord of the Rings movies. Please don't kill me, caveman. I know you're upset. Ah, <sighs> okay. <laughs> Calm blue ocean. Calm blue ocean. <laughs> Calm blue ocean. Okay. I don't know. That's a lot to unpack, Chris. Okay, give me a second here. Okay. Oh, man. Calm blue ocean. Calm blue ocean. Okay. So, it's, like, it's like nerd rage is going to yes, come through right yes. now. Yes. I'm like, it's a good thing I've had a little bit to drink before we do this podcast. Or I might say something that, you know, could end our friendship here. Oh, no. I know okay. I'm in trouble for these so, next ones. I... I'm a huge fan of fantasy literature. As we have discussed on a couple of the previous podcasts, I'm a big uh, Dungeons and Dragons nerd. I love fantasy role-playing games. I love fantasy literature. I love the whole swords and sorcery genre in just about every form you could possibly imagine. It's a shock that you never got more girls in high school. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in high school, I read a lot of fantasy literature. But Lord of the Rings, the, the actual J.R.R. Tolkien Lord of the Rings trilogy was a series that I actually had a hard time getting into, largely for some of the reasons you've mentioned. Interesting. It is very thick. It is very dense. The books are like 600 pages a pop. And despite the fact that this was a genre I knew I was going to enjoy, the story took so many left turns before it sort of got going. It was a real problem for me to get into it. And then in the in the 90s, in the early 2000s, when they finally made these movies, and whenever there's a movie coming out for a series that I think I should read the book before I see the movie, I do. I make a point of reading the book because as we've talked about on some of these previous podcasts, you see the movie and then you read the book after and you're like, ah, the book, you know, it, it, the movie wasn't as good as – I mean the movie never seems to be as good as the book for a lot of these things. But I find it really difficult – after you've seen the movie, to read the book and enjoy the book to the level that you probably would have if you had seen it, if you had read it first. So with Lord of the Rings, this is one of those rare occasions where the opposite was true. I couldn't read the first book. I found it was just too difficult. And then I saw the first movie, The Fellowship of the Rings, and now that I understood what it was about and I knew how to pronounce the characters' names and I understood visually what was being depicted, I went back and read the first book And as much as it was sort of a slog in certain parts, I could visualize it better because I was thinking of the scenes in the movies. And then with the Lord of the Rings trilogy, they released the movies, I think, about a year apart, right? Like it was like bang, 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 one year, two years, three years. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like 2001, 2002, 2003. Yeah, they were very close together. Yeah. And I think they filmed them all simultaneously or something. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So between the release of the first movie and the release of the second movie, I read all three books in The Lord of the Rings, which, I mean, as an avid reader, it's not a big deal. But having had so much difficulty trying to get through the first book for on a number of different occasions, it, it for me, it was a very significant milestone. I read the first book. Once I understood what it was about, I read the first book. I liked the first book. And then I read the second book and third book, and I was like, I couldn't put them down. I was like, boom, boom, boom. I got to read these books. And it was like – It was like eating my favorite food. I couldn't eat it fast enough. I was flipping the pages. I couldn't put it down. I was staying up late. I was, you know, as soon as I was done school, as soon as I was done work, it was like read, 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 get through these books. And then when the second and third movies came out, because I had read the books, I couldn't wait to watch these movies. But understanding that the whole reason I could get into the books in the first place was because I watched that first movie and I loved it so much. So for you to say that you rented the second movie, Having already read the books, 
and couldn't get more than 20 minutes into it. I yep. just, that boggles my mind. I know. You know where the story's going. How do you, how do you turn it off and not watch the two and a half hour spectacular, spectacular spectacle that is the two towers and the return of the king? Like these movies were, I think one of my buddies said it best. Lord of the Rings were for a generation what Star Wars was for us. For younger people, that was their Star Wars. This was this giant, epic, three-movie spectacular full of special effects and monumental storytelling and the rise of a king, overwhelming odds, this terrible enemy. Over, you know, like, And that always stuck with me, that analogy of we had Star Wars. We had Star Wars Empire Return of the Jedi. But for 20 years later, the millennial generation, they had the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So it, it, it sort of, it, 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 again, it just boggles my mind that, that you couldn't get through it. Well, it just, it keeps going downhill because we, if, if our generation had the Star Wars trilogy and then the next generation had the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the new generation has the Sharknado trilogy. I think there's more than three in Sharknado, but yeah, I know there's even more of them. Um, so yeah, so and, and and to take this even a step further, then when I was a kid too, I read The Hobbit. So um, I actually read The Hobbit. I believe I read The Hobbit before Lord of the Rings. So I read The Hobbit and then I read Lord of the Rings when I was younger, when I was a kid. And then what got me was I haven't seen any of the Hobbit movies either, and they they pissed me off. And here's why: because the Lord of the Rings books are huge, like they're big, thick books, as you know, right? And, and so I understand each one of them, you know, grant, you know, they should each have its own movie. I understand that. But then you got The Hobbit, this little tiny thin book, and they made that into three movies. And they only did it for one reason and one reason only. That's money. Cha-ching! You know, yeah, that's, that sure. just ticked me off. So that, but I, so I haven't seen any of The Hobbit movies either. But yeah, Lord of the Rings gave up on it after one movie. I know. Yeah, you're going to kill I haven't me. Seen, I haven't seen any of The <laughs> Hobbit movies either for exactly the reason you did. I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I watched the Lord of the Rings three movies. And then after that, I went back and read The Hobbit for the very first time. Loved it. Oh, yeah, the Hobbit's heard good. They were, yep. Heard they were making it a movie. Was totally on board. Heard they were making it two movies. I'm like, well, that makes sense. The book is in two parts. And then heard they were extending it to three for simply dollars. And I'm like, in that case, I'm not watching them. Yep. And I have not watched any of the three Hobbit movies. That just seemed like a dumb idea. Yep. Let's make this book into three movies. Pass. Yep, hard pass for me too. Okay, uh, on to your number one. What do you got? All right. So, all the scolding I've been giving you this yes. whole podcast. Yes. It's time to flip the tables. Oh, good. Thank okay. goodness. <laughs> you're gonna reach through. You're gonna reach through your microphone, and you're gonna strangle me. My number one. I've never read the book. I've never seen the movie. To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh wow. Wow, never that's, seen it. That's, never is, read it. Okay, so so I, I can forgive you somewhat on the movie end of things. I can kind of forgive that, but I can't forgive not reading the book. I just, I sorry, I just can't. And, and that seems weird because you know this should be I should be admonishing you for not watching the movie, but the, not watching the movie. I hadn't watched the movie. I watched the movie for the first time in I would say two thousand and nine. I think it was before I, I watched, first watched that movie. I'd never seen the movie either. Um, I had also not read the book until almost that time as well. Um, so it was later in life when I actually went back and and, and read the book. But the, the book, man, you got to read the book. You, you have got to read the book. The movie is good, too. The movie is phenomenal. Um, the kids that are in it are unbelievable. But most importantly, Gregory Peck in the lead role, he is just something else. Um, but the movie's good. But the book is just, like, otherworldly good. But, uh, yeah, that's that's unfortunate, man. I think that you... I, instead of me saying you got to go watch the movie, I'm going to instead say you got to go read the book. So... Last week or the week before, I was saying how I just rewatched for like the tenth time, Twelve Angry Men, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Yes, I remember that. And, and it's it's the jury, it's the twelve men in the jury deciding the fate based on this case. So again, I don't know a lot about To Kill a Mockingbird, but I know a big part of it is this trial. And so I kind of felt a little hypocritical, thinking to myself. Here I am saying how much I love 12 Angry Men and it's the greatest courtroom movie I've ever seen. But if I've never seen To Kill a Mockingbird, can I honestly say it's the greatest courtroom movie ever made if I haven't seen all the great courtroom movies? 
And I don't know. I've never seen it. But you've seen it. What do you think? Do I um, need to see this before I can make that that declaration that 12 Angry Men is my favorite? Um, the thing is, is that the courtroom scene in 12 Angry Men is everything. It's the whole movie. It's not the whole movie of To Kill a Mockingbird. It's just one part. And really? I think, okay. I, yeah, and I, I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. And, and I think that the people look back on it and think, oh, it's all about the court case. It's not. The court case is actually a very small part of it. It's, 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 it's about um, growing up during that time. It's about what times were like during that time. It was what like race relations were like at that time. There's other things going on with, um, with the kids and with uh, the way that they're raised and with the way that the father is a single father and the way he raises them and the way that he instills his beliefs in them. Um, there's the way Boo Radley plays into the story as well. Boo Radley really plays is a bigger character than you think come to the end of the story. And you realize that the courtroom is seen is what everybody kind of gravitates toward with that book. But it's just a small part of telling the overall story. It's a very impactful part of telling that story. But it's just one of the elements that's used to, to, to paint the whole picture. And that's why you really need to read the book. Like the, the book is just it's an absolute American classic. And it, it's got so many different elements that are all kind of working together to paint this picture of what it was like to grow up then and what what race relations are like and all this. And, and, and the most impactful thing to me was when you get to the very end of it, especially today, not much has changed, unfortunately. And, and it's just heartbreaking. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking when you realize that, when you read this book. And I think it was heartbreaking to people when it came out, you know, and it's been heartbreaking for people ever since, but even more so now. How many years later, you know, that it, it came out, you know, 60 years after the book came out. Um, and it's just still as impactful today. So the courtroom is just one part of the whole story. It's not, I wouldn't call it a, um, a complete courtroom movie. Okay, there you go. Yeah. See, one of the things when I tell people I've never seen this movie is they're like, but what? didn't you want to see the movie after you read it, the book in high school? And I said, I never read the book in high school. It was never part of the curriculum in any of the courses I took. And that in itself blows people away. Now, again, we're Canadian. Yeah. But again, a lot of our curriculum drives from the U.S. And, and again, from what you're saying, this is an important book. It's a snapshot of time. It's an important lesson to be taught. Again, I, I know it's about racism. I don't really know a lot more than that, and I don't want you to tell me a lot more than that because eventually I will read the book and eventually I will see the movie. This is one of those ones that I absolutely have every intention of seeing someday, unlike every other movie I've said on the list who I, that I – well, Good, Bad, and the Ugly I may see one day. But Sound of Music, no desire. Car, yep. no yep. desire. Ace Ventura, no desire. Good, Bad, Ugly, take it or leave it. If it's on TV one night, maybe I'll watch it. But To Kill a Mockingbird is absolutely on my list of movies that – I do want to see. I've never seen. I will see one day. Um, but yeah, this one always surprises people when I say, oh, I've never seen it. And they get even more surprised when they say, I've never read the book. I would I would strongly advise you to not watch the movie before you read the book. Okay. Seriously, I would read the book first. Okay, I, I, I'm fairly certain my wife has a copy of this book in the house right now you're you're an avid reader right and you just you just mentioned that in the course of a year you read the 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 three lord of the rings books right and knowing you you probably knocked it off in a heck of a lot less than a year you're you're, a month or two yeah yeah i mean you're a quick reader this book you will fly through this book it is unbelievable that the the prose in this book is done in such a way that you will literally and i i'm a very slow reader like I tend to be very, very, very slow when I read. And sometimes I'll go back and read a page again to just reabsorb it. And just, I just take my time getting through a book and sometimes I'll put it down and not go back to it for a long period of time. But I think you would pick up that book and probably zip through it in like a day. It's wow. a very, very quick read. It really, well, really I, is. I got a couple of weeks off coming up this summer where I'm going to sit by the pool. There you and go. Uh, I mean, this may be a little bit heavy for pool reading, but you know, I'll, I'll make a point. I don't. I really don't think it is. I don't think it is. By the end, of, by the end of the summer, mm-hmm. I will read this book. And now, there's a very good chance I'll read it before the end of that. But I will say to you, come September first, ask me if I've read this book, and I guarantee by then I will say I have read the book. I okay. make that promise to you right now. I cannot promise the same thing about the Lord of the Rings movies because I just <laughs> don't have the time, unfortunately. But no, I, I hope that you do read the book. And, and it'll be interesting to hear your take on it. Okay, so my number one, this one, you're not going to be happy with me. 
Um, so I, I believe that uh, these kids nowadays, that they refer to it as the Marvel Comics Universe. Do I have that correct? Oh, my God. I know where this is going, and I'm already hating you for it. Yes. So Marvel the Cinematic Universe. Oh, sorry. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. So this MCU, I guess, is what they call it. Yes. I And th- th- we're talking about, what, the Avengers and, like, Iron Man, Black Panther, all those There's kind of movies. 15 to 20 movies out so far, Chris. Yeah. You tell me you have not seen a single one of them. Is it this Aquaman? This might be the last episode. No, there, Aquaman is DC. Okay, so there's like Captain America, Guardians of the Galaxy, all that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I have never seen a single one of those movies. Oh not my one. God. Not a single oh God. one. <laughs> Chris. Chris. No, and then the sad thing is. Chris, no, yep. I don't feel bad for you. I feel bad for your kids. <laughs> because these kids have to go to school with their friends who have said, Hey, have you seen Iron Man? Have you seen the Hulk? Have you seen Thor? Have you seen Avengers? Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, Ant-Man. And they're going to say, no, my dad makes us watch Happy Days. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Fonzie jumping a shark. <laughs> and they're going to – Chris, you are putting your kids in a position where they're gonna they are up. going to be the, – the, the kids at school that get made fun of. You have to do this not for you but for the betterment of your family. <laughs> You need to sit them down. Listen to this. Starting with Iron Man or Captain America, the first Avenger. Both are acceptable entry points into this Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you need to have them watch these movies. And you need to watch them with them because you're the parent. You need to make sure they're not watching anything that's inappropriate. And they're all rated PG. So they're all pretty decent. Although your eight-year-old might find some of the stuff a little violent. And you have to appreciate that this is where pop culture is these days. We at the top of the show, we say, I'm Chris, and I think pop culture was awesome in the 80s, and screw the rest of you. Well, this is one of those times, <laughs> my part, where I say, Chris is wrong and needs to like open his eyes to the future. Yeah. This is the future, Chris. You need to watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, think, I want to go back and listen to the top of the show because I don't think I say I, I love pop culture from the 80s and screw the rest of you. But maybe I do. I, get, I have to go back and check that. I, I read between the lines. Oh, so it's all about the subtext. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Caveman, superhero movies are limited to Superman and Superman 2, and I'm talking about the Christopher Reeve movies, and Batman from 1989 with Michael Keaton. That's it. No other super movie. They don't. They don't appeal to me in any other way. Oh my god! I know it's awful. I know it's bad. And the thing was, I I was doing some research for the show, and I went and took a look at like all time box office grosses of films, and like I was shocked, like just shocked at the number of movies that are like, you know, the Avengers. And like Infinity War and Captain America and Guardians again and all this crap that I, and I've not seen. Wait, 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 wait! How can you call them crap if you've never seen them? No, that's a good point. I, I, that's a good I'm point. I'm calling you out on the BS, man. That's fine. That's you can't fine. call them crap if you haven't seen them. Now, if you watch them and you then still think they're crap, I'll tell you you're wrong. But you can at least call them crap then. That's fine. That's fine. No, no, I, maybe I shouldn't. I shouldn't have called them crap. I'll I'll, I'll walk that one back. But okay. I mean, I haven't seen any of them, and I and to be honest, I don't have any desire to see any of them. And I know I got young kids, and they'll probably want to watch them, so I'm sure I'll get around to it at some point. But you know, like, but my kids, I, again, because I instill this stuff in them, and I know I'm guilty of that. They're more more than happy to just like let's watch Raiders of the Lost Ark again, you know, or whatever. And yep, haven't seen any of that stuff. Sorry, just hasn't happened. So, well, at least you apologized for it. So yep. I'll give yep. I'll give you that. Anyway. Time now to carry on, so we are now going to have some fun with Caveman. Okay, Caveman, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you up with some, some trivia questions tonight, okay? And these are based on, like, you know, really, really kind of popular movies. You know, popular movies, you know, some of the most popular movies of all time, okay? Okay. So, but maybe some of them you haven't seen. I don't know. We're going to find out. So my first question, if you adjust for inflation... What movie is the highest grossing film of all time? Gone with the Wind. Yes, very good. You're right. It is. Which which I've never seen. And I have not seen it either. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's adjusted gross is almost $2 billion. Like it's I was going to say, it was either Gone with the Wind or E.T., but I was pretty certain I've yeah. heard this question before, and I was pretty certain it was Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Okay, K-Ben. This Academy Award winning film 
it's considered by most people to be like a must watch at least once a year. And it's often shown multiple times on like the network television stations, usually around Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. Can you name the film? Well, when you said once a year, I was thinking Christmas, so I was thinking mm-hmm. it's a wonderful life. But if you're saying now it's Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. it's a musical. Oh, uh, oh, my musical. You're right out of my wheelhouse now. It won Best uh, Picture in 1965. Oh, yeah, that helps. It's got uh, a fellow Canadian Christopher Plummer in it. Julie Andrews sings in the mountains. Wait, wait. That, you wait, mentioned wait, it, it earlier. It's not the music. Yeah! <laughs> I've also never seen it either, by the way. Wow. I only knew that because I'd written down Sound of Music 1965 on my list. If mm-hmm. I had not written down the year, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah. Okay, here's a movie for you. This film. Wait, wait. They show that? that at Thanksgiving? Yeah, Is I think it's like. It's, Thanksgiving? It's, yeah, it's around Thanksgiving because the only reason I remember that is like, as I mentioned earlier when you mentioned it, my mom and my sisters would watch it every friggin' year on TV and it would be right around Thanksgiving. It would come on and we'd have to watch the sound of music. I'd have to go in the other room and watch paint dry. And it was just, oh, it was not fun. Thanksgiving was not fun for me. Is the movie about that? I don't understand why that would, how that would equate to Thanksgiving. I don't know. Nazis. I know. (laughs) I know. Go figure. But it seems to me, and, and, you know, if anybody tweet at me, if I'm wrong, but I seem to recall every year right around Thanksgiving, they would just show it on on network television all the time. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Okay, Next one. Next. This film. It jetted into theaters and became the highest grossing film of 1986. It also features a cast of actors that went on to star in such diverse movies as When Harry Met Sally, Mission Impossible, The Shawshank Redemption, and Batman Forever. Can you name this 1986 film? No. uh, Wow. No, I have no idea. It jetted into theaters. Top Gun. Yay. There you go. There we go. I've I was also top secret with Val Kilmer. And oh, I'm like very that good. can't possibly it. And then you're no. like jetted. I'm like, wait, Val Kilmer was Iceman. He was in Top Top Gun. Yep. I've also never seen it. Really? Never seen Top. Tony Gun. Scott. Yep. Top Gun. Tom Cruise. No, no, it is wow. not. I've never seen it. Okay. No. Okay. This movie featured Winona Ryder in her first major film role. It was originally titled House Ghosts by the studio, but director Tim Burton convinced the studio. To change the title. Caveman, can you name this 1988 film? Absolutely, I can. Michael Keaton, Beetlejuice. Yes, I have also never seen it. Wow, that was a good one, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, this 1990 film featured characters such as Polly Cicero, Jimmy the Gent, and Tommy DeVito. Derek, can you name the 1990 movie that featured these characters? Uh, they sound like they're like mafia style characters. So I'm going to guess that it's Goodfellas. It is. And guess what? Never seen it. Oh man, Chris, you are like just killing all credibility with this trivia of admitting you've never seen these movies. I watch me. You give me lots of great ideas for what we can watch in future podcasts. You know, I, I watch Meatballs and Stripes over and over and over and over again. Okay, a franchise of five films started in 2003 and continued until 2017. The films were directed by Gore Verbinski, Rob Marshall, Espen Sandberg, and Joachim Running. And it was based on a famous theme park attraction. Can you name the movie franchise? Was it Pirates of the Caribbean? Yes, it was. Congratulations. Nice. Very nice. good. They really make five of those movies? Yep. And I've never seen a single one of them. I, I, I definitely saw the first three. I think one and two I saw in the theater and three I think I saw on video. I had no idea they even made a four and five. Yeah. Okay. Steven Spielberg. You remember him from the last episode? Ready, ready Player Love One? It. Yep, yeah, that, that was fun. Yep, know all about him. Okay, so Steven Spielberg directed this 2008 movie, which was the fourth installment in a franchise of films that took place between 1936 and 1957 and featured an ongoing pursuit of historical artifacts. Can you name the 2008 film? Well, I'm torn. I think I know the answer to your question, mm-hmm. but I think by vocalizing it, I legitimize it and give it power, which I don't want to do. So I will answer it. It's Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Yes, the Was kingdom of the, the Crystal, crystal Skull. Yeah. Something with Crystal Skull. It was terrible. 
it was so bad it was uh, it was a, a giant red x on what was otherwise a great trilogy raiders of the lost ark is in my top three movies of all time and i uh, but i've never seen this movie Really, Chris? What what all the two movies might there be in that top three list? Could one of them perhaps be Jaws and the other one perhaps be Star Wars? Oh, maybe. You never know. Uh, you may okay. have mentioned that on a podcast or two before, but, you <laughs> know, figure. I could be wrong. Uh, but the, my point of it is, is that that's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I've never yeah. seen the, the Crystal Skull. Okay, final, final question. I'm going to no. give you a list of movies, okay? okay. When, I, when I'm giving, done giving you the whole list, you just got to tell me what they all have in common, okay? Okay. Green Book, The Shape of Water, Spotlight. Birdman, The Departed, The Artist, Chicago, and A Beautiful Mind. Those all won Best Picture in the last, I want to say, 10 years or so. Very, very good. They have. And yeah. one other aspect of all and of wait, those wait, movies. Wait. Yep. For the record, mm-hmm. I've seen all of those movies except The Artist, which I believe was the wrong call. Right. Who watches a friggin' silent movie in 2000 and what movie that? 13, 14, I think it was, 13? yeah. Like that, that's one of those ones where you look back and go, what were they thinking? Although people are already saying that about Shape of Water, which I kind of disagree with because I like that movie and I like Del Toro. But yes, the artist, like for realsies, there was a lot of better picks than that. Anyway. So, so yeah, no, all those movies uh, won Best Picture. And also, yep. I have never seen any one of them. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now, okay. We're I'm being honest, not- so. I'm not surprised because I know you haven't like seen a movie that's come out in the last 20 years because, you know, it, it doesn't feature someone who was in an 80s drama or sitcom. But <laughs> some some of those movies you just read are actually quite good and were absolutely deserving of the Oscar that they won. And you should probably make a point of trying to see some of them. Like which one? I think The Shape of Water I would watch. I have no desire to see Green Book or Spotlight, I don't even know what Spotlight is, Birdman, No Desire, The Departed, No Desire, The Artist, Chicago's a Musical, Don't Want to See It, Beautiful Mind, Looks Dumb. Wow. Okay. Well, I got nothing to add to that. (laughs) (laughs) That's just my take on those. So uh, anyway, so basically, uh, I also wrapped up uh, during that whole trivia uh, segment, all movies that I haven't seen either. So I just kept adding to the list. Yeah. Um, hard to believe. Yeah, you're right. Uh, maybe I'm chipping away at my credibility, as you say, in terms of a movie buff. But I'm solidifying my reputation as a Gen X guy that just keeps watching the same movies over and over again, baby. That's all I do. Chris, can you give me just just once for the record? Can you say, get off my lawn, you damn kid? <laughs> exactly. That's, what, that, that's me. Just call me Gramps. Just call me Grandpa. <laughs> okay, so next episode, it's going to be my turn to nominate a film for you to watch and come back and review with me. I'm pretty sure you've already seen this, so it's all good. But we're going to go back all the way to 1980, Caveman. Next week, you and I are going to be faced with this situation. There's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark out, and we're wearing sunglasses. What movie will we be watching? We'll be watching the Blues Brothers. Yes, we will. We are going to come back next episode, and we are going to review John Landis's classic 1980 film, The Blues Brothers. You ready to do that? Absolutely. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I tell you what, until then, this is Chris McBrien on behalf of Derek Myers saying thank you very much for joining us again this week. Make sure you reach out to us on Twitter at C McBrien or at Amaron underscore DM. Until next time, this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. Music.